We received tons of questions about how to donate. But, true to our mission, we only accept equipment and supplies. If you still want to contribute, but don't have equipment, you can shop our exclusive Little Wins merchandise. Proceeds from your purchase go right back into our website, making it better for you. And you get to wear some fun Little Wins gear. Shop Little Wins directly on our website at littlewins.com. Hi guys, welcome back to the Little Wins podcast. I'm Lexis. This is season two, Let's Talk About It. And today we're going to talk about inclusivity within sports and adaptive sports with Ryan Martin of the Ryan Martin Foundation. And I am so excited to meet you. Likewise, likewise, thank you for having me. Uh, I've been able to watch or, you know, watch and listen to a lot of your podcasts. So this is really a, a treat for me to be on it and talk about uh, and connect us. It's a treat for me. You've been listening to my podcast? I know. I'm me along with everybody else. I'm honored. Which one was your favorite? The the last one you did, and now you're going to call me on the spot. I do not remember the gentleman that was on with you, but I really what I liked was it just seemed like it was two people who, you know, yourself included, that had kind of a vision of what you wanted to do and didn't really care, and like your vision was more like mission focused as opposed to an idea of like. Well, I really need the profit or I really need to do things like that. And I think a lot of times uh, I'm drawn to people who are, you know, mission focused and really, really passionate about what they do versus, you know, just kind of punching the clock, if you will. Yes, it is sometimes a little hard to pay the bills, but mission focused <laughs> is like passion focused for me, which is what you do. If you wouldn't mind telling all of us, what is the Ryan Martin Foundation? Yeah, so the Ryan Martin Foundation, is, our, our main goal is to kind of use sports as a vehicle for youth with disabilities to, um, you know, carve out their own path to like kind of greater successes and greater opportunities. And we like to look at providing them with like wheelchair basketball opportunities and which allows them to do more, it, develop more holistically, right? I think there's a, a lot of inherent things that are taught through sports. And I think oftentimes within the disability community, our youth with disabilities and even our adults with disabilities um, have less options than their peers. And so, and, and what that means is, you know, they're getting less opportunities to work on things like leadership, communication, self-esteem, um, because they're not afforded the same amount of opportunities as their able-bodied peers. And so that was kind of our genesis for starting um, and then we really wanted to make it more holistic, right? So we have individuals within our organization that advise our, our families on education, right? Navigating IEPs and 504s and different things like that. You know, and we tie in just different internships with employment as well. Ultimately, we hope, you know, like I wish they were all going to be Paralympic athletes, but in, reali in reality, I hope they're all able to get a degree and get a job because I think in this world, you know, a person with a disability, especially a mobility impairment, um, from an employment standpoint, then you start talking about a quality of life, right? And so what we hope is that we're able to provide them some of those valuable skills that they're going to get in sports um, so they can take on and uh, do different things with those talents. Without a doubt. Wow, that is, that's incredible. And it is, I, I didn't think I realized it was coming from such a holistic approach, which is so important from, from all angles. Um, it's especially interesting to me that you help families with IEPs because, you know, I have four kids. I have one with cerebral palsy and sometimes navigating an IEP meeting is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. I'm trying to keep like, keep my frustration level down, but it's, it can be very frustrating to say the least. Yeah. You know, it, I think for, I think that is one of the biggest challenges, right? Because it's a lot to process, you know, I think in parents have parents with children with special needs or disabilities have so much they need to navigate from, you know, the socialization to the medical stuff. And when you get to the school setting that there's a lot of challenges. And if you're not educated on, you know, what's available as resources and what are different options and thinking more long-term, right? You know, I think uh, it becomes a challenge. And so what we try to do is provide folks that can help them think through that, understand their rights under IEP law and, um, 
you know, kind of just advise them accordingly because it's a, uh, it's one of those things like you go into the room, you know, and I, I have an interesting background because, you know, I had an IEP and a 504 um, plan as a student myself um, because my disability was from birth. And then, you know, my collegiate educational choice was to go into education. So I taught a little bit. So, you know, I've been on the side of the desk as the kid trying to advocate for supports, you know, and then I've been on the other side as a teacher advocating for it, you know, and understanding kind of like, that whole journey. And so I think that's one of the most important things our organization can do is provide that support for the parents. And, you know, one of the things that I think we really advise when possible to have that have that kid in the room to learn to become a self-advocate, right? And I think that's one of the great things that parents can instill in their child with a disability is that ability to communicate to the best of their ability, whether that's with a talker or whether whatever that way that that child is able to communicate because there's gonna come a point where mom and dad need somebody else to be an advocate, right? And the strongest advocate is yourself. Yourself. I love that. Don't make me cry. I get emotional about these things. You know me, if you've listened to my podcast, it just makes me emotional mm -hmm. because I think of all of the people who, you know, don't have the, the knowledge or the education. It's not widely spread um, the IEP rights your basic, mm -hmm. um, what the options are, the importance of, of each um, OT and PT and, and what you should have access to. Just that basic knowledge not everybody has. And when you're in those meetings, you can kind of get a little bit intimidated. I mean, not me really, but, but I've right. heard that you can. And I, it's interesting that you bring it up, um, having the child in the room, because I was just thinking this the other day, it was now seven. Mm -hmm. and our IEP meetings coming up and I was like is it time or is it I don't know because she's only seven but I I plan on doing that I think maybe mm -hmm. I do the big one and then the like the smaller ones she should definitely come to I always go back to her with questions you know did you like it right. last year is there anything you know that you think you need or, or that's especially difficult for you and um, and have her included that way right now. Yeah, and I think that it, when you're able to do that, I think that becomes really super important because, you know, there's going to be things that you think of that she's not going to, but in, and vice versa, you know, I think there's going to be things where she's like, hey, mom, you know, what about this or what about that? You know, like, um, for me, I think, you know, what, like my mom was always the one who was like, hey, you have to be your own advocate, right? Like, I'm going to do what I can. And and, you know, if she was a podcast host, she would tell you numerous stories of, you know, going to battle with schools and all that sort of stuff like that. But it oh ultimately- God, Can I interview her? <laughs> Don't you have like 11 siblings? I do. I do. I have a big family. My parents adopted um, multiple kids with uh, various disabilities. And so they grew up in a family of 12. That's crazy. Yeah, she sounds yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, she does. I want to meet those saints. That sounds awesome. Incredible. When did you start um, the Ryan Martin Foundation? So I started when I was playing overseas. Um, I had the fortune of wheelchair basketball really opening a lot of doors for me aside from, you know, just the competition. You know, I was able to um, get a scholarship to go play in college and earn my college degree. And then the only professional wheelchair basketball that exists is in Europe. And so um, I got the the good fortune of being able to go out in Europe for 10 years and play. So I played eight years in Spain and two in France. Um, and the majority of uh, my time of those eight years was in Madrid. And so during that time, like I noticed like youth with disabilities really had less options for like sports camps and different things like that versus their able-bodied peers. I and I was like, well, that's, that's really messed up. And yeah. so um, that was kind of the genesis of starting it. And I didn't think it was, it wasn't what I wanted to do as a career, you know, and it wasn't like, Hey, I want, but it was just like, Hey, I want to fundamentally start providing this opportunity. That was so great for me, for others. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, I was wondering that while you were saying that the only wheelchair basketball um, is in Europe, but how do you feel the programs and, and access availability and all of that compares to the U S from from where you are. So, so I, so in, in some ways I'm qualified to answer this because I've lived in both. Right. But like, I've also lived a privileged lifestyle in both. 
you know, in the sense of in the US, I was able to go to really good schools, um, you know, and, and so in, in my experiences, right, and I don't want to, I, I'm always very cautious to answer this question, because I don't want to like make it look like the American who is just speaking poorly, of, you know, people in Europe, and things like that, because that's not the case. But what I did find, you know, systematically is was I felt they were behind. Um, where we were in like programming and just different options for youth with disabilities. So they had some stuff that just wasn't what I felt was as robust here in the US. And so my, my thoughts were like, let's start here. And then we expanded into the US. And now we have, you know, programs going in both, um, both areas. In both Europe and, and the US. Yeah, but just in Spain. Uh, we, we do have uh, aspirations to expand to other parts of Europe, but that'll be the second act of things. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you mainly in New York or if people, you know, with families here and they want they want their kids to get involved? So we, so we're predominantly in Connecticut, but the good part is like for wheelchair basketball, there's there's the National Wheelchair Basketball Association, which has numerous uh, programs throughout the country for kids. Um, you know with disabilities and so if you know you're in you know because you have a white listenership wherever they may be uh they're generally speaking is an option um that would be closer than where i am okay unless yeah. they want to go to your summer camp or something right Connecticut. they want to come to summer camp come on over <laughs> come on over guys connecticut's beautiful awesome what got you into basketball why basketball of all hmm. good question so growing up in uh a family that I did, like we always just played sports. You know, I joke that we, uh, I think it's Chris Rock's joke. We saved up to be poor with 12 people with special needs. It's not like you were, you know, doing a lot of extravagant, you know, vacations and all that. And by no means am I saying I, I went without anything, right? But um, it seemed like my family really gravitated to sports and competition. So we would, <clears throat> we would do like wiffle ball, basketball, football, you know, and just, it got pretty competitive because we always had enough kids to play because there was 12 of us, right? I was just going to say and that. Yeah, you definitely could make up some teams. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we would create leagues and all this different stuff. And so it was really cool um, in that regard. But basketball was the one when I first started playing. It was the sport that I could play at recess with my able-bodied peers. And I could, I could do shooting games. I could do something. Um, and it really allowed me to shift the narrative of Ryan, the kid with a disability, to Oh, Ryan can play basketball or Ryan can shoot or Ryan can dribble or, you know, something that was more positive than, you know, because going through, you know, your youth or even your middle school years as a person with a disability are, are sometimes not the most glamorous. And so this was the first time I really got a chance to look at it and say, oh, wow, OK, this is something I can excel at and gave me some uh, self-confidence in that matter as well. Yeah. Ryan the baller. Like, yeah, such a better narrative than Ryan, the guy with no legs, Ryan, the guy with the wheelchair, Ryan, the guy, right? It, it's, it's just a, it's a better thing. And especially like, you know, we all look for something to stick out, you know, whether, whatever it is, it's a music, it's sports, it's whatever the case may be. And I think uh, youth with disabilities, we, you know, we, we struggle for that piece of identity as well. Would you expand on that for me? Just, I mean, not just for the people who also want to hear it, but as a mom of, you know, a child with a disability, I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything, that I always understand that what she's feeling. And I thought it was incredibly difficult, like you said, in elementary school and middle school. And it is awkward. It's awkward for everybody. Yeah. So how do, how would we like dispel that? How do I prepare for that? Do you have any tips or were there any, how about this? Were there any in particular uh, moments or situations that you just um, look back on and go, because <laughs> I know I have them, <laughs> um, that we could help break that down for, for others by our experiences? Yeah, I, I think it really goes back because, you know, so for me, I internalized a lot of it and I, and I really wish I had said to you know, like my mom or dad or a sibling, you know, that like, hey, I, I, I'm struggling with this. Like, I just don't fit in. I can't find my way. And I think that's, um, I think that's relatively, you know, normal for everybody to feel that way. I think this is where that communication is really important. And for parents to have that dialogue with their kids and, and just really listen 
because if a kid's going through this, I think they're going to tell you. Um, and, and then I think just <clears throat> supporting them because this is something that they're going to probably deal with their entire life, right? Like the disability factor is probably not going to change. They're always going to be dealt, dealing with that and making sure they figure out how they want to handle that and how they want to represent themselves is really super important. So, you know, I always think the best thing my mom ever did was like, she just said, no, you're going to do it. Right. You know, my mom was just like, nope, this is what's going to happen and almost spoke it into existence. Right. So I never thought I was going to go to college, but like as old as, as long as I can remember, she was like, you're going to go to college. So like, that was the only reason I thought I could go. Right. was because, well, you've been telling me since I'm 10 that I'm going. Right. And so it's, it's one of those things that I think, and I, and I know I'm rambling a little bit, so I'll try to wrap it up. A tight, no, a you're not. Tight. I'm hanging on every word. Did you see my face? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I just think, I think it's one of those things that you really just have to support, have that communication with the child and, and help them through that. And whatever that's going to be, you know, whether it's sports, help them find that outlet that gets them to focus on whatever they want to focus on and what they want to be about. Right. You know, and I think once they figure that out, that becomes a lot easier to navigate, but it, it, it is a challenge for sure. Yes. But a challenge that I'm willing to take, you know, I'm into it. I've always told my kids the beautiful thing about having four of them. And I'm sure your mom would agree, um, is that they're all different. Mm -hmm. Very different. I have to change the way I explain something to at least two of them because one sure. just needs a short answer and the other one's gonna need like a like a, a dissertation, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, welcome to my TED talk. Um, I have never thought of Ava as uh, different. And she said that to me one day. Why am I different? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, and, you, like, that's the way that person walks. That's the way that person walks. This is how you move. That's how they move. Mm -hmm. Who isn't different? If you think of it that way. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone else, but it makes sense to me and it makes sense to my kids. Yeah. And different and difference. Okay. Right. That's the, that's the important, that's the important thing to instill. Right. You know, like, I'm going to use a chair to get around, you know, this is how this person's going to take care of their mobility needs. And, and like, that's fine, but it does become difficult when you're a youth and you are the only one doing it that way, mm -hmm. you know, it, but understanding like, Hey, it's all right if I stick out. Right. But stick out, own it. And then kind of just go with it from there. And boy, does she ever. And I cry happy tears every time she goes sure. to school in her wheelchair and just is like hi everybody she's like my most social Ava has mm -hmm. arrived you know yeah. um and I will fan that flame boy for the rest of her life like nonstop. Mm -hmm. I just love that and as long as you're kind just be kind people right yes, you know I and, love it. and so being on the other side of this now like when I talk to kids with disabilities who are kind of going through that you know I say it's not right to be in that place into like I but the people who are doing it have their own challenges you know that they're dealing with and this is how they're masking their pain and you get to understand that so I always tell kids it's going to get better but like it gets better once you start you know taking action towards things towards improving right so if you're struggling to fit in you know it gets better when you just start talking to people you know, and, and a lot of times I think, you know, with this social media generation, some of our youth within our program are like, well, I only got 12 likes on this post. And I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm a grown man. I just, I, I don't need a whole, whole army around me. I just need who's around me to be vested in me and I'm vested in them. Right. And so, and I think that's a hard thing. I just need one. I need one person yep. to believe. The rest, mm -hmm. who really gets me, you know? Yep understands me fully embraces me for all the things and and the rest is is just a you know a cherry on top it's a bonus but i think the support that you give all of these kids in being a safe place that's something i've always told my kids there's nothing you can't tell me if you can't tell me then who are you gonna tell 
And well, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but but sometimes, you know, if you make a mistake or you do something, it just, it has to be me first. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that helps build their confidence and, and their comfort level and security and being themselves. Uh, from my limited experience of being a parent, you know, but long experience of being a human who felt I didn't have that support. Yeah. yeah and, and you and I both kind of touched upon it a little bit. And I know it's a space that you're vested in and I am as well as like with, you know, the mobility equipment, right. You know, and the, the proper equipment, I think that's really super important for a kid, you know, growing up with their disability to have an under, you know, to have, you know, a piece of equipment that allows them to access what they're able to access, but also feel comfortable in. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the challenges too, that I see. And especially when I went abroad, was seeing the, you know, like the, the mobility aid, the wheelchair, whatever the case may be. And I'm like, it, it is just such a critical thing, you know, and, and like, you're seeing all this like stuff about like, oh, you know, the airline damage is this, the airline damage is that with, you know, just different wheelchairs for, you know, individuals with disabilities who are traveling. And like, that's such a huge component. And I, it, it frustrates me because I think growing up with your disability and, you know, I think growing up now is, in, you know, insane, but like growing up with your disability and all those challenges, and now you don't even have a proper wheelchair walker or whatever it may be to get around is, is a real, uh, it's a real huge issue. Yes, uh, it's inexcusable. And yes, that is a, an enormous reason why I started Little Winds because I would see parents carrying their child over their shoulder um, into into the clinics and um, Mm -hmm. overhearing parents or caregivers saying well you know we don't have insurance and we're saving up for that walker when a pt is like this was the walker for this child Mm -hmm. to give them that independence uh, is it's only it's honestly just bare minimum fair okay like when I mean, you're talking about basic humanity at this point, like your ability to access the world. Yeah. And it's inexcusable. And when I really think about it, big picture, like you were saying, I can get um, really worked up about it. So all I do is I just try to funnel, you know, my energy and my passion into doing as much as I possibly can to create more access for, for these imperative pieces of equipment and medical supplies and connection that's the other component of Little Winds because it can be lonely, you know, yeah. with, um, you know, my kid's the only one at the park with, with braces and a wheelchair where in this whole area and there's no adaptive swings or any, <laughs> which I'm working oh, yeah. on. Playground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not, that's not here. So of course she gets mad when we go to the park. She's like, what am I going to do here? Mm-hmm. You know? So I just, you know, I went to Red Rocks uh, last week, I think, um, to take my kids to see this incredible space that's really, uh, really important to me growing up in Colorado. It's just always been like an awesome place. I went online ahead of of time to to see like, where's the handicapped parking? What would be the best way to get Ava in? And uh, followed all of that. I go to the very top deck where the vast majority of of the access was and there was no way to get down the stairs <laughs> right so my three other kids are running down the stairs of red right they're like wee this is amazing and ava's mad and i get it i get mm-hmm. it and so she started crying i crouched down on my knees and i said look man you're right you're right this is a bunch of baloney so here's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do i'm gonna pick you up and i'm gonna carry you as far as you want to go mm-hmm she can do stairs up if I help her. Whew. It was disappointing. And, um, and I felt her heartbreak in frustration. Mm-hmm. And I can give you a laundry list of places that I've taken her where, okay, the elevator is broken. So now what? I can't, so we can't go in? Yeah. Like, hello? No, mm-hmm. no. And that's coming from someone who is able to thank God provide for Ava the things Mm -hmm. that that she needs to help her thrive so I take that and I times it by everything everyone's feeling that they can't even take their kids to the zoo 
or to the grocery store or to anywhere outside their house, which is that's the podcast you listen to because Tim Caruso. Yeah. Uh, it, that is just unacceptable, people. Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> I think we're we're fortunate to see, you know, so like I, I think there's two different things. I think there's accessibility and then I think there's inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think accessibility, you know, like we tried to address that with ADA and, you know, proper accessibility leads to inclusion. But I think there's, I think there needs to be, I always say there needs to be an intentionality to your inclusive efforts, right? You just can't assume like, because, oh, now we want to have individuals with disabilities. And I say this all the time with the the groups that, <clears throat> excuse me, the groups that are supporting us on our employment fronts you know, for, you know, our kids as they get older, as they go to college, as they come back and they'll be like, well, you know, we'd really like to get our number of individuals with disabilities at, you know, such and such organization. And I said, that's great. How are you going to do that? And they're like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you need to be intentional about it, right? You need to put in steps like, and if you provide that, and if that's what you want to get, you have to be like, okay, so we're going to find a internship program with a group that has a, a, a ton of folks with disabilities, right? And, you know, we're going to work with this university that has a good disability services program to grab folks and different things like that. And I, and I think that's the challenge. I think, you know, you know, especially here in the U.S., we do have most places are accessible, right? You know, we are mm-hmm. benefactors of most places, right? We are the benefactors of like kind of a post-ADA world. You know, when I talk to folks who are older than me, you know, they're talking about driving with like baseball bats and, you know, and like not being able to go into the bank to cash a check and different things like that. So, so I think things are drastically better, but the strides that I like to see that we're making now is like all of this intentionality and inclusion, you know, whether it's on TV to include, you know, I, I always say all the folks that need to be in the party, right? Like, so it's a personal Yes. And so, Absolutely. Right. And so I think there's, I think there's a, um, you know, I think there's a, an approach and I think we're getting better at it. And I really love the idea that the Paralympics is going to get so much coverage on TV, I do too. Um, you know, coming in a few weeks, because what I think that that does is, you know, your daughter could watch them swim and she might never swim in her entire life, but she could see somebody like Jessica Long and be like, well, man, Jessica Long can swim that fast. Well, I could do my spelling work or I could push, you know, at the park with my siblings and different things like that. And so I think that's, I think that's really, really super important because for me, I just played sports because that's what we did. There was no, I want to be the next, you know, basketball player now, but like, I look at the kids that we have in our program and I'm like, oh, you have great role models, right? And you have, you have folks that are constantly giving you that that focus that like, hey, if I try, I might not be able to do that. I might be not be able to shoot that basket, but I might be able to do this. And this is really what I want to do anyways, right? And so I think we think about representation and inclusion in all of those spaces, you know, whether it's gender, ethnicity, and, and we have a ways to go on those, right? We're not, we're not in a utopic society and not by any stretch, but I always feel that disability is like that pinky level, that last one on inclusion. I do and it's the, it's the forgotten one. It, it is. And, and I do think, and I may, I hope I'm not overstepping, but from my experience in creating this website, I did this whole discovery period where I wanted to make sure, like you were saying uh, about ADA and, and, and buildings and, and when we're putting things together with anyone with a disability in mind, like Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear all the stories and then use, have that user group from all these families that shared all their information, thank God, with me so that I could make sure that I was creating something, I was building something for them that would actually be helpful, right? So then when I had a beta form of it, I wanted them to test it. I wanted the user stories to be, um, if you wouldn't mind going through it and letting me know what your experience is. Um, mm-hmm. to build something, I mean, let's include each other in the process. That's what I always think when you get to the elevator, it doesn't go down or it doesn't go to where you're, and like, did, did anybody try this? Did anybody even think, well, if I'm in a wheelchair, would this be helpful? 
mm. when, when building that, which, um, which I think is an issue, but I'm, I'm super excited about what's going on with the Paralympics. And, um, and I do think you're right. I think we are, uh, showing more examples of all the people who, who belong at the party. And part of the biggest purpose here with the podcast is, um, sharing stories like yours and creating awareness and and a deeper understanding and we do that by connecting in these conversations that we have with each other and and Mm -hmm. sharing our stories because there's so many relatable things in them and with that comes a lot of comfort in that connection too yeah absolutely absolutely and and i think you know i think it's i i really look forward to seeing you know, what the next wave of folks who can do, you know, like you and I are going to have our fight and like, we're going to, we're going to make the impact we're meant to make the impact. Right. And then when we're tired, we're going to sleep and then we're going to go back and do it again. Right. But I I love to see in this more inclusive, ever evolving society that we live in, like, what are the next generation of folks going to be able to accomplish that? Like when I look back and I'm going to be like, man, that was really cool. Like this, now they're doing this, now they're doing that, you know? And so I always use sports cause I'm a sports guy, but I look at it and I was like, I didn't even know the Paralympics existed until like I was already in college. Yeah. Right. I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing. And then now like, you know, I, I scroll on my phone and, you know, Citibank has Trayvon Jennifer on there. Yes. And Toyota's got this and Nike's got Tatiana. And, and I'm just like, okay, this is really cool. Yeah, I like this. Yep. And and more, more, please. And, and more, yeah. I mean, I could I could list tons, but I think it's just, I think it's awesome to see. And, and I and I really look forward to the first set of emails or get or phone calls we'll get where like, hey, you know, my son wants wheelchair basketball on NBC and look, yep, now there, I know there's a program here can, you know, because that's how it all starts. You know, I think one of the biggest frustrations I did, uh, I did a radio interview yesterday um, at our golf event and they were asking me like, Hey, what's the biggest challenge you face? And, you know, I was like, Hey, just spreading the message, spreading the word. Right. And the worst thing I get, the worst thing I get is we'll go do a clinic or a camp somewhere, Michigan, Minnesota, Texas, wherever. And I'll get an email the week after from a parent who is like, hey, saw this article in the paper. Are you guys still in town? Oh. And I'll, be like, I'll be like, no, I'm not. But let's find you somebody who is in town this week. Right. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. So that's the other, another facet of what I love about this community is that if I don't have the equipment or you couldn't find it on my website. I can send you to someone who might, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or we can work together. We are all, we're all trying so hard to team up and, mm-hmm. and create this amazing network and resource list of, of all of us out here just um, trying to improve people's lives. And I love that about us. We're like Avengers. <laughs> Like, oh, you want wheelchair basketball? I got someone for you. And it feels so good because you're right. When no. you don't have it, you're like, oh. but I do have this other possibility. You know, that's all we want to do. So. Yeah. Or I know, like, you know, I, one of the things I think the disabled community is really great at is we understand the value of that piece of equipment or, you know, that sporting opportunity or whatever it may be. Right. And so when it comes down to, okay, I don't have it, but hold on. I know who might. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bing, 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 ding, ding, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And you try to connect and different things like that. And the, like kind of that chase And my whole thing is, you know, so, so I love being a part of a community where I don't have to call you and explain like why I need this kid in Cleveland to have this chair, mm-hmm. right? You already know why that kid in Cleveland needs to have that chair, right? But now just how do we get it out there? And the other thing is like, I, I've said this, I don't know. I've been doing this for a long time now. Right. But I've said this to every single parent when they're like, well, I don't know if my kid's going to really like it. And I said, I promise if they come once, they'll like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like and, your and I, yeah. It's yeah. what I always say to my kids. All I ask is that you try one time, mm-hmm. just try one time. And, and what the parents don't, and what the parents realize afterwards is like, Hey, it had nothing to do with the sport. It was just 11 other kids that he or she could identify with. Mm-hmm. And that was what it was. And so, you know, I, I always make the joke that 
I think what we're after is sports, right? But I think it's so much bigger. Um, and so like, you know, I, I, I've said to kids where, you know, we've had athletes in the program who've never been able to make a basket, right? Just because physically they're not strong enough to make it, but. Well, and because it's hard, hello. <laughs> and it's hard, right? And they're, but they're going to college now. They're, get, they're getting those first jobs, right? And I said, listen, that was, that was what you were, that's what basketball was supposed to help you do, to find that confidence and, and make that network to where you could do something different that had nothing to do with sports. Yep. Yep. And there's in sports too, going back to like where we started, actually, um, I feel like you learn how to lose, you know, how to miss, how to miss a shot, teamwork, all these other things. That's an important thing. My son got so mad. He at um, soccer when he was three. Okay. And they lost and he never wanted to go back. Mm -hmm. he was so angry they lost he was three i said listen yeah sometimes you lose and it's about how you lose and what you learn in that process but you gotta you gotta learn how to lose everybody does and mm -hmm. it's a whole nother thing that you are providing within an environment that makes everyone feel seen and yeah i i never quite understood that about youth sports and i don't think it's as it is an issue in like adaptive sports at the youth level, but like we're afraid to let like kids fail. And I was blue like, for everyone, <laughs> the blue ribbon, like, you know, gold medal for everybody. And like, I, I, I get it. Right. And I'm, I'm probably going to listen to this podcast and like regret my next statement. And we're both going like, to cringe, but yeah, that's fine. Hit me with it. Just I'm going to roll with it. So I, <laughs> <laughs> a, a good baseball player can be a hall of famer and they could strike out seven out of 10 times. I, as a basketball player, if I miss, if I make five out of 10 shots, I'm, I'm epic. Right. So there, there's still that three, that, you know, that percentage for the baseball player, 70% of the time they strike out, right. 5% of the time I don't make a basket. Right. And that's just like life, right. I'm going to do, I'm going to do an interview and be like, man, that was rough. And, and like, or like, hey, that was really good. But like, you, you have to kind of respond the same way to both. Yes, you do. And, and I think, and I think youth with disabilities, I think they get that a little bit better. I do too. The fact because they're like, like the, the struggle is real. Like, let's just be honest, like, and, and the struggle is constant. So, you know, the fact that they didn't win the, the baseball game, or they didn't get the biggest trophy or the biggest medal, it's like, you know, it's all about perspective. And I think, I think teaching a kid to fail um, and I actually think parents, the parents that are the most, I don't think militants, the right word, but the most like matter of fact, straight up with their kids with the disability have a better success rate with, with their kids. And this is just like, I don't have my own kids. Right. So this is just from, from afar, but the parents that drop their kids off kids push their chair and their sports chair into the gym, right? And I know there's some who can't, right? So I get all that, right? So I'm just making a, a statement, you know, get ready, jump in their chair, participate in the practice game or whatever it may be, get out, you know, talk with their friends, hang out, get in their chair, push back, jump in mom's car or drive themselves. It, it, it There's just a like you have to straight up just foster that independence. Now, even if that independence is less than what their sibling might have or their peer, it has to be to the max of whatever they're able to do. And so yep. I, I, I'll share one of the, there's a few of my mom's stories that like she tells me now. And then I use when I do speaking engagements and I never tell her I tell these. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> Well, I'm in, I'm going to interview her, remember? So I'm going to. Oh, so yeah. perfect. So, um, so I used to use prosthetics, right? I'm a, a bilateral AK amputee uh, with spina bifida on top of it. So like prosthetics, you would always need a secondary walker, mm -hmm. you know? And when I was a kid, it, the prosthetics aren't like what they are now. Like, um, and so I would walk and my siblings, my older brothers or my mom would tell me, man, like, you really freaking hated it. Like you like thought it was like taking out the trash and cleaning your room and all those worst things that you had to do as a kid times a thousand. And so we used to live next to this mall and I had to do one lap 
for them all. And then I got a happy meal, right? Seems like a pretty good exchange now. Julia, and that's genius. Yep. I use happy meals too. <laughs> I, I also do that. Yes. So, so I, my mom tells this story of one day when I'm walking around, I just decide I'm just done. Like, and I'm halfway through the walk and I just throw a fit and I was probably way you now seven or eight, but too old to be throwing a fit in public. Right. And so I'm just losing it and I just don't want to walk anymore. And my mom, you know, I think she was pregnant at the time and had two other kids and she's just like, all right, Ryan, not that far. You know, like you got to get there, got to get there. I can't carry you, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. And a woman comes up to her and she says, what's wrong with him? Which, right. Like I, I, as a, yeah, as a mom, I'm sure, you know, that one digs deep there too. Right. Oh God. And I'll then, just I like, I don't even have words anymore. I'll just like go straight for a jugular. Nothing makes you flip, especially in a moment, like what you're describing right now. Yeah. Like where everything's heated, like no mom wants their kid freaking out anyways in public. Right. Cause there's that embarrassment a little bit or whatever it may be. Right. Well, no, and it's painful too, especially if you're pregnant, you can't help them. Mm -hmm. And you also on top of it, want them to push through this because you need to, they need to. Yeah. And it's like, I've been in those moments. So, okay. So she, Start where start so at the place woman where comes up and my mom's just like, you know, it's like, please leave us alone. You know, as polite as she could comes the mom, uh, the woman comes back again and she's like, well, I'll just carry him to the car. This is ridiculous. And my mom says, okay, that's fine. But jump in the car because you're going to have to carry him the rest of his life. Then. And like the woman who probably knew nothing about disability, right. Or anything. And you know, who knows, right? Like this could have been the middle of August and there's no air conditioning in the store. Like there could be a million different variables, right? She but may not even be mom, a parent. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> my mom's point was like, listen, if you're, if, if we don't get him to go these 15 feet or whatever it may be to the car, mm -hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be an issue, right? And it's going to be an issue long-term. And so it's one of the things that, you know, when new kids come, I was like, Hey mom and dad, you guys can watch but like, I want you to watch from up there. Right. Because I, I, and, and most parents get it. They'll be like, okay. And I said, I know that's really hard because chances are you're, you know, you're used to wheeling your child. Right. But whatever that maximum level of independence is it, you, you need to kind of force that. And that's where I think the, you know, the right equipment comes into play. Uh, yeah, you know, because if you, have, if you have, you know, if you have a, right. If you have a child in a stroller, like an adult stroller in and that's easier for you, but your child is able to use something different, right? What, maybe it's a K5 manual chair, whatever it may be, or maybe it's a K5 chair with a power assist on the back, right? Or whatever the case may be, like you need to push to that because at some point that's gonna have to be ingrained in them and that's gonna have to carry over to something different. And it absolutely, 150%, like I, yes. And it's so important. It's, I honestly think it's important for all people, you know, to their maximum ability. You must ask them to get to just their max and then continue to push forward for that independence because the freedom and the pride and the confidence that I see in my kids when uh, the story that actually you, you jogged in my memory is uh, one time it was last summer, Ava got really good. She has triplegia CP, so both limbs and okay. especially uh, her right hand. She calls righty, righty, lefty, lefty. And she mm -hmm. was getting really good at markers, Crayola markers, popping the top off. It was like a major event. You know, we've been trying okay. for years, popping it off, putting sure. it back on, like, boom, she's doing it. We celebrated every single pop on and pop off, like, like it was a birthday, because it is. It was a major mm -hmm. breakthrough. One day, she couldn't do it mm -hmm. as fast as she wanted to. Right. And it was just a slightly different size of, of Crayola marker. And she threw it and she said, I hate my stupid hand. It's so ugly. Mm. And it, like, you know what I mean? Just like, mm. I said, we're going to need to take some deep breaths. And we're going to get through this, this rage. You mm. can say anything you want to right now. Then we're going to, we're going to expand on this. And I could say, you know, I have arthritis and I could say, mm. I hate this stupid hand. Cause sometimes it's hard for me to open cans. 
what do I do? Right. Grab a towel. I like, you know, bang on it. If I need to like break the seal or something, I just, we work through this. You're allowed to be angry. Throw one marker, not the whole thing. Cause I don't like when that happens. Right. Or your mom was sure. the same way. Like, uh-uh, honey, no, unless you're going to pick it up. Right. Exactly. And, and sharing my frustrations with my physical situations with her and being able to relate on that level and all the things that we've done with working through these massive meltdowns and frustration and rage we've done mm -hmm. a lot of important work and i learned a lot everyone did frankly right um allowing that to play out because i'm not going to say you know ava you can't be angry mm -hmm. right i i absolutely feel as though you can get frustrated yeah it's frustrating but you can't blow up your whole afternoon and everyone else's dinner, right? And like, right. that's just not acceptable. Here's what you can do. And then other times sure. I have to say to her, I can do that. I am only gonna help you this far. Like if it's putting, pulling your shirt down, I know she can do that. I know you can put your arm through your sleeves, but some days, especially now, I think it's just a phase that we're in. Uh, she just doesn't want to, but then I won't wear a shirt, <laughs> you know? I'm like, fine, honey, don't wear a shirt. I'll be right here when you're ready for me to pull this over your head and you do the rest. Because right. I know someday you are not going to want me to do this. And I know you can. Mm -hmm. It's important. When you know someday that's going to be just kind of the same principle she can apply to something else. You know, whether it's getting through school or, you know, whatever the case may be down the road. Right. And so like, you got to kind of dig in on that battle early. And I, and I think the, I think the maximum level of independence, whatever that may be, um, is important. Right. Because at some point it, it, it's, it's all they can, it's all they have to rely on. I love talking. I could literally just go on and on and on. I am by, and also disclaimer, and by no means am I a parenting expert. I'm here to learn. I just love your stories. They're so relatable for me. And um, did you do a Nike commercial? Did I hear that? Was there something about? I didn't do uh, the coolest thing I did lately. We did like a GQ shoot. Some of my. Uh, oh, that's what it was. That, I mean, basketball friends. Yeah. So. Uh, it's always definitely, uh, it's cool. Some of the opportunities that are out there and that, you know, people are looking for that. And I think that's, you know, I think, I think kids with disabilities, like, I think it's, you know, so in some ways I think it's tougher, right? Like I think, you know, with the, with social media, I think some of the things that they see and some of the challenges that they face with like, you know, cyberbullying or feeling excluded, you know, uh, become a little bit stronger, but I also think they get to see a lot of examples of what is possible, you know, and then I think they see a world that on its surface, you know, is trying to be more inclusive and trying to, um, carve out a seat at the party at for the everybody party. Yep. Yeah, at the party. But, I love that. Um, I'm taking that by the way. I love that. Have it. I don't know where that came from because I've never used that expression. So you're welcome to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When does that come out, GQ? Uh, it was already out. It was out in June. Okay, well, I know. I'll have to find it. It's fine. I'm up for the challenge. If I could ask you one more question. Sure. I, I know you have a lot going on today. Um, what is in your pipeline? Like, where do you, you, when you say, you know, you and I are both going to work like crazy mm. and then sleep and then do it again? Like, what's, What's the dream? So like, I, I mean, if we're, if we're to get like philosophical, I would say the dream is that I don't have a job because we've figured out how to cure all disabilities, right? And, and I find something else to do, right? I think that's the ideal, but there's gonna always be an individual with a disability. But like, if you're, if you're looking at the absolute, like, um, that's where I go to, but I, but I think in the context of what you and I do, isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's basic, basic principles of like humanity that like, 
people have what they need from, you know, whether that is a piece of equipment, whether that's programming, whether that's, you know, a, you know, a vehicle that's adapted. I think, I think that individuals with disabilities have, have value that they bring to the situation. Without a doubt. And I just want to see, I, I just want to see a world where we're capitalizing on that, right? And we are providing those opportunities. Like it would be really great if, you know, we didn't, I didn't go around and see a kid with a broken wheelchair and like they could go to just a generic store and get that fixed. Why does it take so long to get a chair, you, you know, made or why? To, and like, listen, I, I, I know there's, you know, I know there's challenges, right? But, but I think a world where like our youth with disabilities have what they need and can see a way beyond their disability where yes, it can be a part of their identity, but it doesn't define their entire identity. I always say this, like if I meet a random person and we can't get through five questions, give or take before like I bring up my disability or they ask about my disability, we're doing something wrong, right? Like I think there should be Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you from? Like, think about it. Oh, I Where, do all the time. Absolutely. Like, how far, how far down the line can you get into that conversation mm -hmm. to where that becomes a non-issue? Yep. I think and that's what and that's what I like to say. Well, we are so aligned. And I want everyone to know about uh, all of your programs. Where's the best place for them to go? Sure, everything's on our website, uh, the ryanmartinfoundation.org, and then like on social media as well. Um, we do a good job of capturing our story and you know the impact of what we're trying to do, um, and helping you know helping youth navigate where they're at. And if someone wanted to support your foundation, it's not also on the website. Yeah, that's also online as well. Sweet. Okay. Well, we got to give the people what they want, you know? Absolutely. All Absolutely. To all the things. I'm so grateful for your time. Sincerely. No, thank you very much. This was, this was a cool opportunity. I love I, I can't wait to hear it. I have a feeling we're probably going to need to do another one because I had about 20 other questions <laughs> to ask you and just things I want to pick your brain on and, and all of those. But this was a great first conversation um, and really just um, um, from my heart. So thank you for your time. My, my pleasure. And well done, my friends. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.